Hello and welcome to another episode of the E-Reads Podcast. I'm your host, Liz, and on this podcast, I talk about books, authorship, and just all the different parts of the creative journey. And today, I'm really excited because we're talking about learning, whether that's for your nonfiction research or whether you as the creative, we're talking about the power of learning with Gary Whitfree. And so before we jump into the episode, let me tell you about him. So Gary is an inventor with six patents, internationally published researcher, military intelligence veteran, economist, agriculturalist, systems developer, societal explorer, cyclist, hiker, outdoorsman, and author of seven books. Three books have been released in the last three years, including two in his Relating to Ancient series. After 40 days bicycling to North Pole, Alaska, Gary released his first travel adventure entitled Destination North Pole, 5,000 Kilometer by Bicycle. He and his wife Patricia live and travel from South Dakota. So now that you know all about the wonderful things that Gary does, let's have a quick ad before we jump into the episode. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, Gary. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you this morning? Good. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. And so um, it's interesting to have you on because you have so many different things that you do. And so I'm interested to talk more about your books. Um, You do a little bit of poetry and you talk a lot about um, culture and learning. So I'm interested in in picking your brain about all of that today. Great. Fantastic. So Gary, before I, I jump in with the hard stuff, I have a question for you. All right. And so this, I like to call like a bookish question. It's related to like books or writing. And I'm curious when you are crafting your, your novels, crafting your books, do you write by hand or do you use like technology, like computer, tablet? Like how do you Ooh. craft your stories? Ooh, this is a good one because I'm of the age where I actually uh, learned on a typewriter, uh, but I wrote my first Ooh, four books uh, on a yellow notepad. And uh, the, the third, well, each of them, I actually had uh, typed up. The first couple were directories and then uh, uh, a, a couple of agricultural books. And I, yellow notepad, ooh, just, just scribbling down. And luckily I had uh, uh, hired somebody that could actually read my writing. <laughs> but since, since then, I, I, you know, since floppy disks, I should say, I've been able to, uh, I do everything on the computer because even when I was in the, the military, I, I wore headsets and, and uh, actually used a manual typewriter to do Morse code. And so I could type fairly Ooh. fast, even on a manual. And so going to computer was fairly easy. Interesting. Like I have folks, you know, friends of mine who they, they write by pen and paper. They feel like it helps them connect more with, with the story. Um, like you mentioned, my handwriting might get too sloppy. I might not remember what I wrote down. So I'm, I'm really grateful for autocorrect. <laughs> right. Aren't we all? Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, so Gary, tell us a little bit about, you know, how did you get started in writing and, and which book was your first book? Actually, um, after I uh, got out of the service, went to college, I, I worked for the South Dakota Department of Agriculture. And uh, there I realized that uh, we, were, we were to help uh, uh, producers and businesses uh, promote and sell their products. But there was no directory of organizations that were, were uh, helping producers. There were a lot of them, over 100 organizations, but we never really had a directory of who they were, where they're at, who's, who's their members. And so I wrote that. And then uh, that led into what are the products, you know? And so I, I developed a directory of products for our state and um, which ones were available for international markets, that type of thing. Interesting. And so for, from doing that, what was your first book? What, what kind of made you become an author? It was, it was an organizational directory. And again, I hadn't even thought of it being a uh, being an author project until I, I come out with the second edition and then the second edition of the marketing one. And uh, that, you know, I, I did that for four years and uh, worked for the governor's office of economic development. And then um, I went into private business and I kept getting questions uh, about agriculture. Yeah. And so that developed into my second and, oh, excuse me, second and third books, uh, or it would be, yeah, second and third third and fourth book, excuse me, third and fourth books about the crop of millet, which uh, people may have heard of it recently because uh, 2023 is the international year of the millets. And yeah. so worldwide, it's an ancient grain that's being, uh, in effect, reintroduced. It, okay. So, okay, like you got my brain like firing. So it's interesting because you got, you know, through kind of dabbling in, in work in all these different, um, I don't know, it just kind of reminds me of like all these different puzzles, right? It's kind of spurred your kind of your, your journey. Um, is that also when you became passionate about culture and learning? That's, that's a good question. Actually, I, uh, I, I developed, well, first of all, in the service, I was in military intelligence. So I, I was thinking a little bit different. And then um, as I went through business, I developed my patents and, and uh, I, I did uh, international research with the University of Uladog and Bursa, Turkey, a lot of it, and, and also the University of uh, Agriculture in Mongolia. Uh, well, anyway, I retired uh, about 11 years ago now, and we traveled around the world. And I, I realized that there's so many different places of the world. Everybody tells me their culture and their learning is changing, but why is it changing? And so it became a mystery to me. And so I, I started uh, writing, trying to answer the question. And that's, it ended up in a book, uh, Culture and the Mysterious Agent Changing It. Um, I think I, well, let's learn. It's, it's, it's really written as a mystery. And so you, uh, what 20 of the 22 chapters start as a riddle. And so you try to figure out the riddles as you of changing culture. And these books are are mainly nonfiction. Is that correct? They are. They're strictly nonfiction. Yes. And it's interesting because even in, in crafting nonfiction, you started out with a question. And a lot of times when I talk to different fiction art, uh, authors, they'll yes. start by saying like this question, right? A question sparked a story, sparked a thought. And it's interesting to hear that that also helped you with your novels. 
Yes, and, and I guess I, I have not written a novel per se. And I, I look at your uh, different interviews and you cover a very diverse uh, audience of authors. Thank and you. so I thank you for that. And so I, I do fit a little bit uh, different niche, which is great. Thank you for having me on. But yes, I do uh, often start with questions and uh, riddles have always intrigued me. And I even years, 30 years ago, I, I started my grandchildren on Aesop's fables and, you know, trying to figure out the moral of the story. And so it's just uh, kind of developed from there. Hmm. How can like questions or riddles help us with culture and learning? How can that help us grow in those areas? Well, I think you it, it gets you thinking uh, uh, more deeply about um, what what has changed. You know, mm -hmm. since the beginning of time, uh, we've we've had to food, water, shelter, clothing, and uh, trying to raise our children to be self-sustaining. Because if they're not, culture doesn't survive. Okay, and so uh, that what has changed that uh, has affected those kind of things, and we've found that. Uh, uh, our our work is moving more into um, basically fewer people are working because we're keeping uh, uh, younger people in school longer. And at the other end of the spectrum, we're having uh, people retire earlier. And so never in world history have so many live so long off the efforts of so few is, is one of the things I came up with is just technology has changed to allow us to do that. But worldwide, we've shrunk the, the actually the, the working population and trying to get more effort like yours out of a narrower um, uh, work age. Interesting. How, where, so where do you go from here, right? So you have the, these, these questions that, that, that spark the book. Is there a second edition? Like where, where do you go next? How do you find your next journey? Uh, there, there's actually several in that series that I'm working on and some, some other works. But this, the second book actually turned out by learning as it influences the 21st century. And uh, that is, uh, is a much, I'll call it heavier book. It's, you know, 400 and some pages. And it delves into uh, how learning has changed over the centuries. And I, I like history, and so I did a lot of... Uh, research and reading, especially the books of the late 1800s, early 19th, mm -hmm. early 20th century. And uh, in those, you have a lot of, uh, a lot more uh, references to ancient. And then I've, I've read a lot of other history books. And so I have references going back to Aristotle and of course, uh, Ben Franklin and, and some of those people, how they learned, because there's actual details about that. And then I compared it with uh, uh, modern learning. And then that's why the book is titled Learning as it Influences the 21st Century, mm. because it does impact uh, how we operate as a culture and how systems, uh, uh, how, how people learn, not only at work, but at home and in culture, society. It, it is. And I'm, I'm curious, because your, your book is heavy on history and research. So the uh, question that I, I wrote down was, when do you know when to stop the research, right? So like, how do you, <laughs> you're just like, That's is it a, going? You, you, uh, Researchers never stop researching. Doesn't mean they, they always write everything in a, a public uh, document, 
but it's the it's the research and the reading that you do to to provide more background. Just because my books are published doesn't mean that I, I stop learning and stop reading about those topics. Mm. And so, um, you know, one thing I did, uh, and I, I mentioned I've been retired for 10 years. Well, I turned 65 and I, I'm going to transition here a little bit. You just can't keep mentally when you retire or not retired, you can only do so much with the brain and the brain needs a break once in a while. And so I, uh, uh, I asked my wife if she would uh, do a long bicycle ride with me. And she, she said, uh, I would rather drive. And so we had a, a niece and nephew and three grand nieces up in North Pole, Alaska. And so we, I, I flew back from Mexico and a week later I was biking to North Pole, Alaska. And so at, at 65, I didn't know if I would make it. And I just took my old 10 year old bike and, and biked up there. Well, uh, it, it was a way of using my body to keep my body in shape, not only my mind in shape, uh, you know, on the thinking part. And so uh, COVID shut us down and I ended up writing a, a book about that, the destination North Pole, 5,000 kilometers by bicycle. So it's a completely different type of book, but it's, it's, it's a travel adventure. And I, I found it exciting writing that type of, of document. Interesting. Um on so many levels so right so i think as writers right we often forget about the physical nature right like a lot yes. of what we do is sedentary so you right. have to right whether that's like you are stuck you have like a block you know you just kind of like your body whatever like but movement is really essential but you also took your personal journey and turned it into your next story and, and that's amazing that you were able to kind of just find the story around you you, you nailed it. You nailed it because all, all of us sit and we can be so absorbed in, uh, in our chair and our desk and on our computer and, and searching and, and reading. And we forget that sometimes just step outside and walk around for a half hour or 15 minutes it, or an hour, hopefully. It, it opens your mind up and frees you uh, to, to be more refreshed, I guess, both physically. And I think it's it's just natural enzymes or whatever it is in the body that that uh, reawakens your mind. And, and I think you're way more productive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned like uh, taking a break and you are, are working on poetry. And does poetry feel like a break from some of these heavier things? Kind of how has this process been for you? I'm, unbelievable. I'm in a, I'm in a uh, local writers group and I'm also in a different uh, uh, local poetry group. Uh, here in the Black Hills, and it's it's actually really really fun. I I, I get to listen to uh, poets of uh, a lot of different types of poets and, and ages from the uh, around twenty to eighty, and it's just an amazing uh, approaching poetry where you're really really condensing a few words into a story of you know a hundred words or less or. Yeah. 30 words and it's and it focuses your your writing and your abilities into a very narrow funnel are you saying what you want to say and it doesn't have to be a serious topic it can be a and usually they're very fun topics mm. i was going to ask as far as the topics do any does any of your research kind of show up in the poetry in those those short stories <laughs> even though i don't try it does it does yeah. but uh, my background is from uh, uh, farming and agriculture, and so I have 
uh, uh, different things about nature. Um, for example, I just mentioned uh, before we got online that we just got back from Mexico and uh, I had written up a, uh, a poem about migrating monarchs. And so the, the, the poem was about the monarch butterflies that come up from Mexico every year and come across our farm in northern South Dakota and on the way up to Canada. And so my wife and I were fortunate enough to, to visit the winter sanctuary where these monarchs winter in central Mexico. Wow. And so the day after that, I put a YouTube video together, reading my poem with the videos of the monarch butterflies. And then the last minute transitioned into what we do on our farm to host monarchs as they migrate. So it's a two and a half minute YouTube video using poetry, using my farm and using the, 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 the beauty of nature, seeing these butterflies floating around and flying. It's just, it's a cool little YouTube video. Absolutely. Please send over the link. So oh. I can put that for, for, for sure. listeners. Um, you are not just writing research, you are living it. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Um, Gary, before we end for today, please tell people, how can they connect with you? How can they find your books? What's the best method to, to learn more about you? Well, thank you for the opportunity, uh, first of all, in the interview. And yes, I, if my books are available on uh, you know Amazon and all the, the, the standard uh, uh, places, but my website is relatingtoancients.com, relatingtoancients.com. And so my uh, patent availability and my, my books and things like that are available. And my, some of my audios uh, recordings are on there on different topics. So relatingtoancients.com is probably the best way, but enter my name on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, ResearchGate. My, uh, my international research is published on researchgate.com. And so them, them are the main ways people get to my information and get to me. Love it. And Gary, if you had to leave any last words, maybe for someone who's like, you know, I've been, I, they've been researching, passionate about research, and they're just like, ah, oh, no one's going to read this, or how do I condense all this down into a, a book? You know, any words of inspiration or support for them? Yes, never, never stop, because, uh, uh, if you don't make it available to the public, you're right, they're not going to find it, but make it available to the public, whether it's in a short form, I don't care, it's a poet, uh, a, a short form, or into a, a novel like you uh, interview, or a uh, nonfiction, but uh, a pamphlet. I, I did research in uh, Mongolia and Turkey, and uh, wrote some millet books back in the 89 and 90. I digitized those because they weren't digital. I digitized those in 2016. And now I have thousands of read around the world because they're available on ResearchGate in digital form that they can download for free. And so you, something that I wrote uh, 30 some years ago is very, very pertinent today when uh, uh, you know people are trying to raise that particular crop. I love that. And it's also a reminder one, if you don't publish, no one's going to read it. Absolutely. <laughs> but also thinking about the, the form that best suits your work, right? Like you mentioned, whether that's a poem, a pamphlet, a, a book, you know, really thinking about how, how do you making it digital, right? Like, you know, so I, I love that encouragement just to keep going. 
Liz, Liz, uh, uh, we have opportunities now that we didn't have in the past. And, and so I take my poetry and most of the time you, you have to go to a poetry book, right? To get a poetry. Well, I decided I'll, I got a YouTube channel, so I'll just put a YouTube, uh, a short poem on YouTube with the video. And it's a way of reaching a different type of audience. And I think far broader audience that are interested both in nature and in poetry. Mm, I love it. I love it. Gary, thank you so much for your words of inspiration and, and reminding us to, to, to keep learning. Right? Just <laughs> Please, do yeah. Please do so. Yeah. Absolutely. And so my, my final question for you is I like to leave it with inspiration and just kind of just however people express themselves. Right. So if you had to leave us with a word or a phrase that we can use as a prompt when we are create, creating, what would you leave us with? change and always change do not just stick with what you know because when you broaden out you actually uh develop that particular topic far more far more so listeners stay tuned to the end of this episode to see what i do with gary's prompt change i cannot wait again thank you so much for stopping by um and i wish you so much wellness um thank you gary well, i really appreciate it liz you have a great day fluid Stagnant, impotent, mighty, change. It's an action, a thought, a state of being lasting past eternity. Our soul leaves and the body still transforms. Our energy gone, shifted into the beyond. Change, a beautifully complex thing that stagnation propels us toward. It is a choice we make with every lesson, question, or flicker of wonder. Change, a flicker that excites the brain and feeds curiosity through the ages. Spark the flame until it is a blaze. Let the blaze be an inferno that reaches everything and everyone in its path. Because one change can shift a lifetime. Positive change, negative change, changes for the better, changes for the worst. Challenge yourself to change. It may not be fluid, it may become stagnant, but it is infinite and always mighty 